My name is Gabe Phillips, if we have not met, and I am married to a beautiful, beautiful, drop-dead gorgeous woman named Fiona. And, uh, and uh, we are married eight years this year, uh, which is a great achievement for me because we've, so we've navigated our way through the seven-year itch, and she signed on for another season. So we're happy. Oh, thank goodness. Close call there, guys. But, um, but I, I, I rewind nine years, and nine years ago, almost around to the date, we, we met for the first time, and uh, I fell in love with Fiona at first sight. I'm one of those crazy guys who saw her and thought, I'm going to marry that woman. And uh, it happened. It happened, people. I heard God, and, she, and, and he said, this is your wife. She did not hear God and just seemed to ignore me for a while. Her discipleship journey took a little bit longer, but we, we bring that into line. But, um, but I remember that moment of meeting her. We exchanged numbers somehow, and I, and I remember that moment of fashioning out that first text. You'll know that first text sets this, the stage. It's got, it's, it's got to be as every, that's so important. It's got the highest highest probabilities of seeing you up for success or failure on that first text. And I remember laboriously typing that text out. I just wanted to make sure I got the tone right. You know, she's got to know. This first text has got to do everything. And as I wrote it out, I remember I just said, Gabe, using lol way too much. Backspace, backspace. Don't, you, want to be, you want to be friendly, but you want to be over-friendly. You want to make sure that you're casual, but you know this is intentional. You know, you've got to be going off this thing. You know, uh, Gabe, you're using too many capital letters. You're shouting, Gabe. She doesn't know about your passion yet. Rain it in, rain it in. What's the right level of emoticons? You, want, you know, it's, just a, it's a tough balance. But after a while, as I crafted what I believed would put Wordsworth and Shakespeare to shame, I pressed send. And I said, it's in the lap of the gods now. Over to you, metaverse. Take it and run. And I remember that moment. Then I thought, okay, it's gone. It's, uh, it's out there. And I waited. I thought she's going to reply at any minute now. And I waited, went for a walk around the block, came back, checked the phone. No reply. Going to the text, the one tick had become two ticks. She had seen the message, but she had not responded. No, no matter, no matter, sleep on it, Gabe, it'll be here in the morning. So I went to sleep that night, woke up the next morning, and still no reply. So I did what any self-respecting ginger would do. I went onto Facebook and stalked her. Where had she been? Where she checked in? Who is that blonde, long-haired, good-looking chap in her profile picture, and what is he doing here? You know, start making up stories and, and start imagining a whole bunch of things going on there. And I start to realize, what is she doing? That is so important. She can't reply to my message. So I thought, okay, you know what? It must be the phone's problem, of course. I mean, look at me. It must be the phone that is at fault. So I did what every male does. When something's not working, you turn it off and turn it back on. Works 99% of the time, all of the time. Still no message. So it must be the network. Send some messages out to different friends just to make sure. And I cursed them when they replied to me because <laughs> it's not the network. It was the longest 24 hours of my life until I saw those words, faithful words, Fiona is typing. It took so long and I experienced firsthand what it feels like to be ghosted. Ghosted. People, it's, it's, it's a term that young people are using these days. That means when somebody has read your message, but they're not replying, you have been ghosted. Now, I tell a silly story to, to, to almost sum up what I feel are the emotions of humanity at this time. And probably in this room, what 2020, 2021, I don't want to overplay it, but what it's felt like a lot of times, and dare I say, even what it's felt like in our relationship with God a lot of the time, feels like we've been ghosted. Maybe I'm the only brave one to say it, but there's been a lot of prayers that have seemingly been unanswered. There's been a lot of situations that are unchanged. There's some addictions that have yet to be broken. 
it feels like we have been ghosted and it's, we're hounded by the ghosts of disappointments, of dead ends, of dropped balls. We've been telling ourselves, nursing and rehearsing ghost stories, ghost stories of our past failures, of our fears, of our anxieties, of our conspiracies, haunted by the ghosts of our pain and our past. But I want to tell you today that I really believe today and this year is a great time for us to bury some ghosts. I want us to bury the ghost of 2020 and 2021. I believe it's time to say we are done with the ghost of our weakness, the ghost of our wanderings, the ghost of our worthlessness. I believe it's time for us to tell some new ghost stories. We need some new ghost stories, people. So I have to turn to the Bible for some of those. Stick with me. Mark chapter 6 is an incredible ghost story. It's a story in the scriptures where the, the disciples are in a boat and the wind and the waves are raging around them. And Jesus is nowhere to be seen. I can imagine in the middle of that boat, in the middle of that storm, them crying out, them praying, them doing all that they can, trying to get the attention of Jesus, and saying, Jesus, where are you? Yeah. They, they said, he said he'll never leave us nor forsake us, but he's nowhere to be seen. We've been ghosted, crying out, but no response. Scripture goes on to say that actually later that night, Jesus goes for a walk across the water, as he does. And like a ghost-like figure, he's strolling across the waves amidst the wind and the waves, the storm, and he's crying out disciples. And, he, and the Bible goes as it pains in the book of Mark to tell us that he intended to go past them. This is taking ghosting to a whole new level. I see your situation. How's it, boys? But I'm carrying on with my power walk. The Bible goes on to tell us that terrified, they looked at Jesus and they thought he was a ghost. And in one moment, they saw that terrified but Jesus steps in the boat and says, no, no, have no fear. It's his eye. And he calms the winds and the waves. John chapter 20, Jesus has risen from the dead. And there's rumors that are rife in the city through some of his followers who've seen him that there's a dead man walking. Jesus is alive. And, and it's like this, this new form of ghost stories of I've seen him. No, you know ways. No, can't be. Must be someone who just says doppelganger. Can't be. Thomas is one of those guys who says, no, nah, I won't believe it. I don't believe in that superstitious stuff. Not for me. I'll only believe when I get to touch and when I get to see myself. So John 20 tells us there's a locked room. It's a pain cell. The room is locked. The doors are locked. The walls are around. There's no way in or out. The disciples are gathered. Thomas is there. And it says, Jesus appears in their midst like a ghost. He says, Thomas, it is I. Feel the nail-scarred hands. Now believe. Acts chapter 1 is the text that we're going to be reading from this morning. Acts chapter 1 verse 69 will be on the screen. But it's 40 days later after his resurrection. And Jesus and his disciples are conversing. And this is what happens. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. Jesus is masterful at ghosting him. <laughs> These are disciples who have, they've stood with him, but now they, they've seen him die. They've been, he's risen again. They've been embarrassed. They've been marginalized. Their people probably wrote them off because they, hey, look, you trusted this, this, this preacher from Nazareth, but look at him. He's died. And they've been pushed aside. Their family probably going, you guys are nuts. We want nothing to do with you. But now they've been vindicated. Jesus is alive. And they're now sitting with Jesus saying, Jesus, now must be the time. Now's the time where you're going to give us seats of honor. Now's the time we're going to take out the Romans. Now's the time for the kingdom is going to come in power, and we're going to be in the front row seats. Jesus, is this the time you're going to do it? And Jesus goes, two ticks 
I'm not answering that now. It's not for you to know. It's my father's business. But Jesus carries on speaking. He says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Can you say the word receive? receive. Say it one more time with conviction. Receive. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today. It's a great day to encounter you. I thank you, Father, for the temperature in this room is rising, the temperature of faith, the temperature of expectation that you are going to do something new. You're going to do something brand new in us. You're going to stir our affections in a brand new way, and you're going to call sons and daughters out of hiding into the light. I thank you, Father God, today we are choosing to bury some ghost stories and allow the true story of the Holy Ghost loose in our life. I thank you, Father God, we are ready, we're open, we're hungry, and we want you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. So I need you to turn to your neighbor right now. The person seated on, your le- seated on your left or your right, upstairs as well. I want you to tell them the title of my sermon, but also the prayer of our heart at this time. I need a ghost. Come on. I need a ghost. You see, the dictionary gives us two definitions for the word invisible. The first one is the literal meaning, which is, is unable to be seen by the eye. And then it gives us the figurative meaning, which is completely overlooked and ignored. Now let me tell you, when I think about the Holy Spirit, or as the King James Version says, the Holy Ghost, which I kind of like that text a little bit better today, the Holy Ghost, I believe, is invisible. Yes, he's invisible. You cannot see him, but you can feel his effects. But he's also been invisible in the sense of ignored by the church worldwide. It feels like he's been put aside on the periphery. It's almost like on the backbone, burner. Yeah, we know about him, but we don't really, we just don't know what to do with him. But I want to tell you and suggest to you today that the Holy Spirit is not peripheral. He is central to the text. He is central to the story. He is all over the Bible, so much so he's mentioned 800 times in the scriptures. He is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, page 1, the Spirit hovering over the deeps. He's in Revelation chapter 22, the last verse, which says, the spirit and the bride say, come. He's there at creation. He's there upon Christ's ministry. He's there at the birth of the church. He's there at the consummation of all ages. The spirit of the living God, the Holy Ghost, is very important and very central. And actually, something that is so huge was the, the day, I remember the day when we found out the news that Fiona was pregnant with Olivia Grace, our little girl. And I, I couldn't believe, my mind was blown that I was going to become a dad. And I remember every subsequent scan uh, as we followed the app and followed the development of this little baby in the womb as Fee's t- tummy grew. And more and more I got convinced that I am a dad. I felt the kicks. Oh, this is my child. I am a dad. Unbelievable. I knew that I was a dad. Fast forward the 16th of March, 2017. We rushed in for an emergency C-section and Fiona's womb was opened up and a bundle of red screaming joy came out called Olivia. And in that moment, as Coldplay song, Fix You, cued in the background, tears streaming. No, it wasn't, I apologize. That was just in my imagination. As I started to weep, in that moment, knowing I was a dad changed to knowing I was a dad. The knowing turned to experience. 
And here's my thesis that I believe too many Christians, too many Christ followers know about God's goodness. They know about salvation. They know about his generous gifts. They know about his power. They know about his miracles. They know about them, but they don't experience them. Now, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is called the executor of heaven, meaning he makes, takes the will of the Father and the nature of the Son, and he makes it known, experienced to us. I've got a, a cell phone, as one does these days, and uh, it's very similar in, in make and model to my wife's. Very similar. Except sometimes when you're typing away and I look at her phone, I'm like, hey, how are you doing that with your phone? How are you getting that different color? How, how are you getting that range of emojis? I've got four emojis on my phone. The crying face, the winking face, the thumbs up, and one with the ginger guy. It's cool. I use that from time to time. I'm like, how have you got millions, millions of emojis? How can you get that app? How does your phone operate at that speed? This is incredible. It's the same phone, but what, how's it doing something different? And she said, Gabe, I need to teach you something here. I said, oh, I need to learn, Fiona. So she took me to a, a, an app called Settings on your phone. <laughs> Clicked on that. Had a look and said, yes, uh, yes, Fiona. Mm, yeah, watch how are you doing this? And the settings said, updates required, and there's a red number there. In my phone, on my phone at this stage, that number was in the teens, the amount of updates that were required. And I said, this is ridiculous. Why hasn't my phone told me about these updates? She said, it has numerous times. It pops up on your screen and says, update required, and you click dismiss, ignore, remind me later. And you've just kept doing that, kept doing that, kept doing that, and you're not accessing the full power of the phone. Come on. Likewise, Christ followers, I think for too long we've allowed the Holy Ghost to become peripheral, become invisible, become secondary on the sideline. Yeah, we know about him, but we don't know how to, what to do with him, so we've just ignored him, ignored him, ignored him, and we're wondering why we're not walking in his power. But I tell you, we need a ghost, people. We need a ghost. Number one today, we need a ghost who brings power. Yeah. A ghost who brings power. Jesus said this way, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I love that line because it says the word you shall receive, not achieve. Not achieve, it says receive as a gift. Not when you get really spiritual. This is not something for when you get mature in Christ, you attain to a certain level. This is not uh, for when a specific somebody prays for you, that man in the white coat and the, the, man, the man with the beautifully parted hair, you know, the man of power for the hour. When that guy prays for me, then I'll get it. Or, or when that mythical ghost story creature called revival comes, then we'll get it. No, no, no. The Scriptures doesn't have any of that periphery. It says this. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Receive. Receive power. And I love that, that word power doesn't do it justice in English. The, the Greek is, the word for power is dunamis. Ooh, that one just sounds powerful. Dunamis. And that's where we get the root word dynamite. Dynamic, creative, resurrective power. The Apostle Paul says it best for me in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 to 20. This is his prayer for us as believers. And it reaches across the millennia to our room here and now. It says, I also pray that you'll understand the immeasurably great power, the dunamis, for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power, dunamis, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Wow. Now, before you click ignore, remind me later, hold on, let's, let's slow things down. Slow things down. That verse, Paul is saying, 
Let's double click on that a little bit. He's saying that same power that came from heaven went into a tomb in Jerusalem, came into a dead body of the Son of God, went into that being and reverberated and rose him from the dead, not only changing that man's life, not only changing the city around him, but changing all of creation, all of history, splitting apart everything that was, that is, that is to come in that moment, that same power that raised him to life and then raised him up in glory and seated him at the right hand of the Father. That power is in this room. Come on. Come on. And it's in you. Wow. Wow, something's going on here. You see, we have to understand that we have more authority in this room right now than the mayoral team of the city. We have more authority. We have more authority in the least faithful disciple in here than the greatest demon in the recesses of hell. I want to tell you today that I'm not afraid of the devil because he's afraid of me. He's afraid of you. Because, not because of your, your, your ability, your skill, your faithfulness. No, because of the ghost. Come on. The ghost of power. I want to tell you this morning that we have the ability to, we have the power to bind and loose. We have creative and resurrective wisdom to speak and declare life into the darkest and most dead situations. Jesus said in Luke 24 verse 49, as he rounds out that gospel, he says, The Spirit will come upon you and he will clothe you with power from on high. Come on. Not just a light touch. No, no. A clothing of power. Changing who you are. Dying you into his very nature. The power of heaven. The spirit will come upon you. But what I love is it's not just knowing about it. It's actually experiencing it. Yes, amen we say in church. Amen, amen, amen. But actually it's about experiencing it. We have the power to say no to sin. You're not just an instrument that's played at will by the enemy. Oh, Satan made me do it again. It's my nature. No, no, no. It's not your nature. You've been clothed with power and hype. I would say no to sin. Power to have joy no matter the circumstance. Power to live with your heart at peace in the midst of raging storms. I've said it so long as well at different times where I said this will always be me. Maybe, maybe not, I haven't articulated that, but I believe the ghost story that's followed me around, that this will always be the thing lurking. This will always be the temptation that I give myself into. This will always be the, the thinking that takes all of my, 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 my mentality. This will always be the depressive states of my being. This will always be the ghost stories that we believe. And we said things like this. We said, you know, I'll be free from this maybe when I die. When I, when I die, then I, I won't sin anymore. Question, if that's the case, then if we only, if we only stop sinning when we die then maybe death is our savior. Stick with me, because Jesus tells us in the new covenant that he has promised us, he said, by his blood, he has, he has done away with the penalty of sin forever. But he's also said he's done away with the power of sin. Sure, the presence of sin will be finally dealt a death blow in eternity. But I tell you, right now, there is power in this room present for you to be set free from sin now. The dunamis, dynamic power to uproot addictions, uproot habits, uproot fears, uproot behaviors, uproot mentalities, uproot de devastation memories. It's the air to change things now. I know it, but I want to experience it. I want to experience it. I need a ghost. You see, the John the Baptist said it this way in Mark 1. He said, I baptize with water, but there's one coming, 
And he is now here to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let me tell you guys, before I believed in the Holy Spirit's power, I was a blonde preacher. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) I I just thought of that now. I shouldn't have gone there. Anyway, let me tell you that the fire of God, people often say, oh, you're so fiery. You're such a passionate nature. Can I tell you, I believe that I am fiery and I'm passionate because of the Spirit of the living God. Because it's not who I am. It's it is who I am now. This is what God has done. He wants to pour it upon us. A, a, a fiery German preacher named Rainer Bonke, he, he said this. He said he's tired of seeing so many asbestos Christians. Meaning that they're immune to flames. They're inflammable. No, no, no we, can't, we can't do it. Let me tell you, I, I've made a prayer. They said, God, I am flammable for you. I want to burn for you. As John Wesley said, set me on fire and people will come watch me burn. It's time for the church to experience the power of God. I want to tell you today, maybe you're sitting here today and you need power in your life. Maybe if you're honest, you need power to say no to some things. You need to say power to say yes to some things. You need power for the miraculous. You need power to intervene in your marriage, in your emotions, in your business. Power in, in life. You want to see this power, not just know it, but experience it. I need you to shout out now from the depth of your being. I need a ghost. If you need power, shout it out. I need a ghost. Let's do it, people. We're doing this together. Secondly, he brings power, but he also brings purpose. You see, Jesus says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. He doesn't say, you'll be my Christian businessmen. You'll be my Christian creatives. My teachers. He doesn't even say, and you'll be my church leaders. You'll be mothers and fathers. No, all of those have a place. All of those have uh, purpose in your life. I want to tell you, Jesus tells us at this moment, our primary purpose from young and old alike, if you are a Christ follower here, here is your purpose, to be his witness. Someone who's seen, experienced, and tells, and tells. This is something huge. The, 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 the great Puritan preacher, G.K. Chesterton, he wrote this line that I love. It says, a burning heart leads to a flaming tongue. Because for too long, I would hear people preach about, you've got to tell people about Jesus. I'm like, oh, it's another thing to do. That's not my gifting. That's somebody else's responsibility. I've got a busy life. How am I going to fit that in? That's just, yeah, that's for those guys. Not according to the Bible. Not when you achieve to that level, when you've gone through the course, when you've read enough of the Bible, when you've done enough apologetics, and you're able to argue with that atheist at work, and I need to, ha, checkmate. No, 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 no. It says, you shall receive power. And you will be my witness, telling of me, speaking of me. And I tell you, here's the objective. We've got to get our hearts on fire for Jesus and then try and stop yourself from speaking. When, when I finally convinced Fiona to date me, April 20th, 2013, it's tattooed on my left butt cheek, but let's carry on. I convinced her. I lawyered her. I, I, I said to her, Fiona, you, this is going to be good for you. And she, she was like, all right, fine, fine, we can date. That's you know, the most romantic thing I've ever heard her say. We can date. Fine. We can date. And then uh, we, we, I left from that moment, and I was so thrilled. My heart was exploding. And I, I literally picked up the phone, and I phoned the world. The world. Anybody on my phone. I literally went through the phone book one by one. Hello. And, yeah, I know you haven't heard from me for five, six years, but I've got a girlfriend. I'm dating Fiona Rolston. I was telling petrol attendants, I was shouting out the window, I was just along the beachfront from, from her house to my house, I was just, I was just shouting out to them on the rooftops, I have a girlfriend, I was planning the wedding in my head, 
the 17 red-headed children that we would have, we would form a band, we would travel the country, we would, we would go platinum. And then I got home, and about two hours later, she sent me a message and said, hey, Gabe, it's been thinking this over. Can we chat tomorrow? I don't know if we should do this dating thing. I said, Fiona, I've sent out the Evites, girl. It's done. But let me tell you, the, the, the principle there is once your heart's on fire, you can't help yourself from talking. Once your heart has been captivated, I cannot help myself from speaking and telling about this name. And what I love is that the scripture doesn't let us off the hook. That word witness in the original language is the word martoretto, where we get our word martyr from. Should I go back to the dating story? Probably much nicer. <laughs> martyr. You shall be my martyrs. Wow. You see, what is happening here, I want to suggest that if you and I want to live with purpose, we have to die to our own agendas. If we want to live with purpose, we have to die to our own agendas. And maybe, maybe, maybe we're not living, experiencing the resurrection power that's available for us because we have not yet truly died. We're still allowing the ghosts of our past, the ghosts of our failure, the ghosts of our pain, the ghosts of our rejection, the ghosts of our offense, the ghosts of, of the conspiracy theory, the ghost of the shame, to still have that loud voice and hold us back. Oh, I need a ghost. I need a ghost that's going to set me free and pour his purpose in my heart. You see, brothers and sisters around the world in Middle East countries and the Far East are losing their lives for the sake of the gospel, not because they are smiling and saying God bless and doing things with integrity. That's a start. They are dying because they're preaching the name Jesus. And I'm not saying let's lower the bar on those other things. I'm just saying it is time for the church to stop speaking negativity, stop speaking death over the government, speaking death over our nation. And those opinions, you can have them. I've got my own, but I'm telling you, above that, I need to be speaking and declaring the name of Jesus. And I tell you, it's not about you. It's about the Spirit of God in you who will help you. The Bible tells us he gives us boldness to do that. The Holy Spirit is the ghost who comes upon us and he quickens our ability, gives us the words that when we don't know what to say, you'll be able to speak. When you start speaking, you'll be amazed at what God says to you, what he does to you, because that's the spirit of God. This is the purpose he was given for you. Oh, I need a ghost. You see, an unpreached gospel is no gospel at all. It's time for us to uncork the medicine, not hold the medicine to ourselves, but actually uncork it and start distributing it to the world. It's time for the church to speak the name of Jesus. I want to tell you today, maybe you need purpose in your life. Maybe somebody's passed away and you've lost that purpose. That's so disorientated your life in the last year. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've, 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 you've stumbled over something. Maybe your health has taken a turn. Maybe you had this dream in your heart that seemed to have slipped through your fingers. You had all this purpose, but it seems like you've lost it. I believe today is the day for you to reclaim it that actually the Holy Spirit is wanting to come and breathe His purpose on you. If you are needing purpose like me, purpose, eternal purpose right now, let's shout it out one more time. I need a ghost. I need a ghost. Finally, today, as Sharon starts to play on the keys, because boom, makes us more holy. The Holy Ghost brings power, brings purpose, but He brings also His presence. Imagine the scene as we bring this into land. Jesus is sitting with his disciples. These unschooled, ordinary men who fa just failed at the, the, the first sign at the cross. They ran for the hills. Now they're sitting there 40 days later and Jesus is setting Mount Everest ahead of them. Saying, you're going to be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, ends of the earth. 
they're going, we, we've never been beyond Samaria. And, and, and now you're leaving us. You're ghosting us again. And, and how are we going to do this? This Everest, it seems huge. No, never has a greater mission been left to more ordinary individuals. But in between the power, the promise of power, in between the promise of purpose, wedged in between them is the promise of His presence. You shall receive power and be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Oh, the presence of Jesus. Now, let me tell you, if I ever get the, the urge, the, the desire, and the, the means to go climb Mount Everest, no matter, you might come and tell me, listen, Gabe, I've climbed Table Mountain 17 times. Let me be your guide. I'll say, no, thank you. You might say, listen, Durbanville Hills, I've done it. I'm good at it. You might even come and say, we've been to Namibia on sabbatical and climbed some dunes. No, thank you. When I get to Mount, the base of Mount Everest, I'm finding a Sherpa who's been to the top, who's familiar with the ascent and can take me to the top, someone who knows the very heights of Everest. I want to go with that person. I want to tell you on our, guide, on, our, on our journey of being a Christ follower, yes, we be encouraged by one another, but we need a ghost who's, who knows the presence of God, whose purpose is to lead us to the presence of God, whose power is there to see us free to experience the presence of God. I need to follow and keep a step with the Spirit to lead me up the mountain. You see, we were meant not to live in the shallows. We were not meant to live in paddling pools. This is the call to the depths. The Holy Spirit is here and He wants to make Jesus real and tangible to us. Not a specter, not a ghost, not, yeah, I know Jesus is good. I know His peace is there, but I'm, I'm frantic. I don't know what to do with school this week. I don't know what to do with the bills. I don't know what to do with this relationship. Jesus, I need you, but are you so far away? So I want to make my presence very real for you. Closer than your hands and feet. I want you to know it. You to walk with it. Not left for some other preacher. Not left for some experienced believer. You shall receive power, purpose, His presence. I love this. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love Him. Putting it high on the mountaintop. There's no eye that has seen. No ear that has heard, no mind that has conceived what is prepared for us. But the verse continues. It doesn't stop there. The verse says, but these things have been revealed to us by His Spirit. That's not for a future time. It's for now. It's for now. The Scripture goes on and says, the Spirit searches the deep things of the Father and makes them known to us. We were made for the depths, people. We were made for the depths. We were made for the heights. We were made for this. And the Spirit of the living God is our guide. He wants to walk us through it. Can we stand to our feet in this moment? I want to tell you when Jesus died, when the curtain was torn, we told the Scripture that He ascended into the depths. And all the believers who had died before he, he had di who died in faith, before He had died, believed, trusting their salvation was coming. But it's only Jesus' blood that makes the way. So they, 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 they was left and kept in a place called Abraham's bosom, in a temporary place. We believe knowing that Jesus has died. And when we are saved, we are with Him in the twinkling of an eye. But these believers, Abraham, the forefathers of faith, had died believing. But Jesus burst into that cavity, burst into that moment as He died. And the Ephesians 4 says He leaves, leaves captives in triumphal procession. He went down and said, boys, girls, men, women, I have conquered the grave. My blood speaks, let us go. And they ascended into glory with him. Great triumphal songs, singing praises to God, saying, He is worthy. He is worthy. Our faith has been made sight. We see him. He is worthy. Yeah. 
And I can imagine seeing Jesus ascending to the Father, but something catches his eye. He sees a woman at the side of a tomb weeping. And he says, sorry, hold on for a second. I'll be back. And he goes to the tomb and he starts walking amongst the tomb there. And Mary, a woman who's there, who's nursing, rehearsing the ghost stories of what could have been, what should have been, what, what might have been, and weeping there. So much so she's got these ghosts all around her of, of, of the pain and, and feeling at odds with her, her world, not making sense of Jesus' death. She doesn't even recognize Jesus' real presence in her midst. The lover of her soul, she doesn't recognize him. And Jesus goes there and says, Mary, it is I. She goes, Rabboni! And she clings onto him in joy. The first woman to, to, the first person to touch Jesus when he was born in the incarnation was a virgin named Mary. The first person to touch him after his resurrection was a harlot whore named Mary. But as he touches him, Jesus says, don't, don't cling to me, for I'm ascending, I haven't ascended yet to my father. What, what do you mean, Jesus? What is going on here? Well, it makes sense when we understand John chapter 7, he promises a pouring out of the Spirit. All who are thirsty will drink and receive of the gift of the Spirit. But in John 7 it says, but the gift had not yet been poured out because he had not been glorified yet. Now here's my final salvo for you and I today, is that the Holy Spirit is given in full to bring His power, to bring His purpose, to bring His presence, but ultimately to do all those to make us like the person of Christ. He is making you like Christ. But here's the kicker. He is not making you like Christ, the one headed to the cross. He is not making you like Christ, the one, the, the man of sorrows. He is not making you like Christ, acquainted with grief. He's not making you like Christ, a ghost of an average, sort of similar kind of like Jesus. No, he has been glorified. He is seated at the right hand of the Father in glory with all power and authority, the name above all names. And the Spirit is now making you and I like that Jesus, the glorified Jesus. Now. In this world, I want to ask us right now, if you are desiring and you need a ghost, I need the ghost to bury some ghost stories and allow that true ghost story, the one of the Holy Spirit, to take hold of my life, move from the periphery, not ignoring it, I wanting to experience it in my life. If you are here today and you hunger, you hunger for more of Him in your life, experience of His power, an experience of His purpose, an experience of His presence, being made in the image of Jesus, if you hunger, there's no other qualifications needed except hunger and thirst and surrender. If that's you, let's lift our hands to Him right now in this room. Oh, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We thank you. We cannot talk about you without experiencing you. We don't want to just talk theory. We want to experience reality. I thank you, Father God, that there are sons and daughters in this room right now who have been marked since eternity past to encounter you to know you. This is your plan, that we would know you. And I thank you, Father God, right now where people have said, yeah, I've done this, or this is charismatic, this is a style. No, 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 this is Bible 101. This is Christianity 101. And you shall receive, not you shall earn, not you shall achieve, you shall receive power, purpose, His presence when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Lift your hands high, and I'm gonna ask us right now, start to cry out to God, call out to Him. You do not need another mediator. There is one mediator, his name is the man, Jesus Christ, who mediates on your behalf and says, surely if you ask, I will pour out my spirit upon you. I will pour out my spirit. Father, I thank you right now. Lift up your voice. Say, I need you, God. I need you, God. I surrender, God. I long for you, God. I want you, God. The world deserves a church. The world demands a church that is fully alive with the
the power of God, fully alive with the purpose of God, fully alive with the presence of God. I thank you, Jesus. Sons and daughters will dream dreams. Your old men will see visions. I thank you, Father God. We need a ghost. We need the ghost. Holy Spirit, come. 